Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today, we are joined by Yumika Brewster, COO of Finimize. Finimize are empowering people to become their own financial advisors and increasing the net worth of this and future generations. Through their app, content, and community, they are turning casual investors into smarter investors. Yumika is here today to share her story and some of the lessons and learns along the way. Yumika, it's great to have you with us. Thanks so much, Nadia. It's great to be here. Um, so tell us a little bit about what it really means to be COO of Finimize. Yeah, absolutely. Um, operations, it's, it's one of those areas that can mean kind of anything and everything, depending on the organization, the, the size of the organization, the industry. Uh, but for us at Finimize, my main mission, I guess you could call it, is to ensure the smooth day-to-day -day running of the company um, and make sure we hit our goals. So in practice, what does that mean? It's really kind of setting the strategy, talking with each of the functional leads about what makes sense and how to structure their functions. I also own the people, the finance and legal functions. I'm making sure that the that kind of intersection between like processes and people that bit in the middle is the area that I really want to help improve and make sure that we can get the best out of everyone as well. And I love that, getting the best out of people is everything that I live for. So that's brilliant. Um, what does Finimize do that's so unique? Yeah, um, I mean, you kind of touched upon it in that intro. Our, our mission is to increase the net worth of, of this and future generations. And I guess the way that we want to do that is becoming the, the one-stop shop for the modern investor. So whenever someone's considering making an investment, they come to Finimize to, to do that and help them on that journey. I found that the investing world, I mean, finance in general, it's quite unapproachable. Um, it really prevents access for a lot of people uh, because of the jargon, the tradition around the industry, uh, it's typically been kind of saved for the privileged few that have had, you know, uh, personal wealth advisors or managers. And, you know, they've been handheld of, of how to invest their own money. But what we want to do is break down those barriers, providing easy to understand, no nonsense content, digestible insights um, for people to actually understand what's going on in the world and how that can impact their investing decisions. So I guess I, I would say our mission makes us unique, but you know, having a social mission isn't that unique anymore. There are a lot of startups who, who pride themselves on that. So I think what, what's really interesting about us is actually the community element as well. Uh, we're an extremely community-driven company. Um, so when you actually sign up to Finimize to become a premium member, you're not just getting access to those high quality pieces of content that I was talking about. It actually gives you a access to a, a huge community of like-minded individuals. And I think that's where you kind of get the edge on everyone else. It's not just about reading things and kind of tossing it aside. It's actually about engaging with other people. It's sharing advice, sharing your lessons, hearing from other people who are similar to you. I think that's the bit that's really inspiring because it's so easy to just kind of read things on the internet but not act on them because you have 
this fear of maybe messing up or making a mistake or putting your money on the line. But when you go through a journey with other people who are who are like you, that's when I think the magic happens. So, yeah, I would say th- those are the two things that make us unique. And then anything that, that includes where the magic happens is always a good thing, right? Especially with something like investing um, and encouraging people who've never done it before to to try out and get involved so that we're having much more of the world making these sorts of decisions. So I, I really love the mission. And I know that that education of next generation, it's actually you know, a personal mission to you. And it's, you know, when I first met you, it just made so much sense that this is the job that you do. So I just wanted to share, uh, wanted you to share a little bit more about that personal mission of yours. Yeah, that's that's really kind, Nadia. I mean, maybe it sounds really cliche, but I fundamentally believe in in finance. Uh, I think it's a catalyst for economic growth. And I think that's kind of why I started my career in investment banking. Um, When you're facilitating those markets and if they do work efficiently, like economic theory suggests, you know, it it is just a functional way to reallocate resources from one place to another. You get a return and you're helping people out. I think what you know, when you're in kind of big, big corporations, you kind of miss the impact element. Um, So that's kind of what I guess as I progressed throughout my career, I realized more and more that having an impact in that industry, a tangible impact is what would get me out of bed in the morning. And I think, you know, I worked at a couple of different fintechs, but Finimize really that mission that was so personal. It wasn't about helping companies get richer or, or the rich get richer. It was really about helping Every, everybody, people who don't have access or don't necessarily think that they could be investors, it's actually getting them onto the ladder and empowering them and making those people feel heard as well as be part of the journey. I think retail investment has gone on quite a shift in, in the past few years, you know, with the rise of kind of those Reddit forums and uh, GameStop. I think that really was kind of where it all started and that shift towards, I can get involved. Um, you know, there are loads of platforms that mean that you can actually start investing with, you know, fractional shares and uh, almost no fees. So I think that being able to invest has been democratized, but actually the education part hasn't. Um, and I think that's really where we can kind of fit in because it's not about yeah, being in a community of people who are all extremely highly educated and have, you know, friends of friends who are financial advisors. It's actually about you being able to get that information yourself. So I think that bit has been really inspiring to me. And then tangentially also means they can start investing and growing their own personal position um, because their money's not just sitting in their current account. Uh, getting, I don't know, I guess 2% nowadays, but they can actually put it to work and see a much bigger return in the future. Um, so yeah, definitely it's it's tied to why I joined finance in the first place. And I think now you have a lot more of that personal touch and that higher impact. It's truly powerful what you're saying, because I think that especially when it comes to inclusion and giving people access there's lots as you say lots of fintechs that um, are on the rise at, at building different platforms that 
are supposed to give people access. But without that piece that you've just said so clearly, without that education piece, we're actually not really leveling that playing field at all. So I think that's super, super powerful just to hear you say that and the way that you've explained it. And it does lead me on to my next question, which I know that you're you're hugely active in as well. And that is including women in financial inclusion and that being a huge topic in itself. So I want you to tell us more about your thoughts there. Yeah, absolutely, Nadia. And I, you know, I love that you're also doing these highlights on women in fintech because exactly that it's it's about seeing what's possible in the field and being inspired by that as a as a young woman kind of listening to these podcasts as well i think women and finance it's such a kind of i guess historically finance has been so owned by the quote unquote breadwinner uh, which typically has been male and so in the past, throughout history, men have owned the finances, men have invested, they've got their own groups of people, financial advisors, etc. And women have been kind of left at the sidelines. Women are earning just as much, sometimes more than their male counterparts, but they don't have the access to the information or don't have the confidence, honestly, So many women I've spoken to have told me that they just don't have the confidence to put their money into investments, which I find crazy because they're extremely talented, intelligent women who just find that too overwhelming. And I think bringing women into the equation, you know, it's only helpful for so many reasons, but if anything, just for making kind of 50% of the population have invested, if you include that other 50%, you can imagine the growth that we could see. But it is exactly that. It's a, it's getting women into the table, into the room, discussing it. I think there is that element of sometimes not feeling, because they don't feel confident, they don't come to the events, they might not participate in the groups. Uh, actually, we've got a premium ladies group where we bring women together to discuss financial their position their investments we actually bring them to um, encourage their own learnings and that's again where where we see the real beautiful conversations of genuine people who are learning investing from from scratch and when other women hear that they feel like they can do it too and that's building their confidence and that's one thing that we've seen a lot of in our in our women investment communities it's hearing from other women that inspires them to take initiative um so i think it is just a case of showing women that they can and they have all the tools that that are required um but it is just giving them the examples i think that's the key thing is women don't see Warren Buffett women equivalent they just see these white men and so it's it's difficult to put yourself in the position of thinking I can also do that absolutely um and and you've touched on so many points there visibility accessibility uh, the education and what really has resonated with me that whole concept of community Um, and having people to talk to that you relate to, that you believe are in a similar position as yourself, trying to break out of that comfort zone and do something different, super powerful. Now, we've had a a conversation previously about the workplace um, being a financial catalyst 
for economic and personal growth. I, I loved everything you said about that. Um, so I'd love for you to share that with us. But also, what more should we be doing um, in this industry for, for better workplace inclusion? Yeah, that's, I think that's the million dollar question. Um, and I, I wish there was, there was a silver bullet, um, but you know, there isn't really. It, it's a full chain of events that need to happen, I think. You, you need to look at the whole life cycle of an employee experience at, at your company. So that starts right at the beginning when somebody's applying for the job and they're reading the job description to the interview process, the onboarding, the day-to-day uh, of their work, the progression, performance evaluation, promotion cycle, all of those things need to think about how do we incorporate diversity into this process and ensure inclusion of everyone? Because I think every single stage has biases. You know, you're bringing your own biases to every single thing. That's that's just a given. So you may not be aware of them, which, you know, is, is the first step of being aware of your own biases so that you can question yourself. But every step of that process has the potential to exclude someone. And I think the earlier you kind of embed that best practice, the better, because, you know, if you take the extreme scenario where you have a thousand people in in a company no people of color no women on the leadership team you can't attract diverse talent let alone keep them and include them so that's almost too way too late you really need to start at the very beginning and think about how do i make sure my job description isn't too specific that needs every single requirement under the sun because I think research shows that women are much less likely to say, I've got these these requirements, whereas men, when they have, you know, 50% of the requirements will put themselves forward. So it's thinking about how do you tailor for that during the interview process? Have you got diversity in that panel? If you've got everybody who's thinking the same, come from the same universities, looks the same, thinks the same, then they're kind of inevitably going to want to hire people who are like them it's I've heard so many times when people say oh um they remind me a lot of myself when I was young and it's like well then you shouldn't be hiring them because you're just hiring yourself which yeah okay maybe that's easier because you know how they work and whatever but that's not really going to drive the best results in the long run and it's certainly not going to make for a a diverse and inclusive culture so there's that then you know it's thinking about what social events you run what cultural things you say how you actually make sure that your environment is allowing for different you know families uh, people who have different caring responsibilities how can you set up your workplace so that people can really thrive it's not just you have to be in the office from x time to x time work hard play hard like all of these kind of things because again you're attracting one type of person but if you've got caretaking responsibilities and you can't do certain times of the day but you make up for it at other times you know it's all about that remote work hybrid work finding a way that is based on outputs, not inputs, making sure that your performance review cycle can 
take away the biases of oh there you know I, I go to the pub with my friend and so I'm going to give him a good review it, it's all of those things that I think yeah it comes back to looking at the full employee experience and once you start solving for each of those things you see improvements across the whole team just brilliant insights and thank you for being so honest and sharing so much today in this podcast I think you've really encouraged us to sort of draw ourselves out and look at things from from a more macro point of view I really loved you know what you were saying about not just attracting people to your business but keeping them and including them the whole thing is part of the same ecosystem inclusion isn't you know a final add-on it's part of the entire people experience as you've explained so it's been brilliant learning from you and hearing about your experiences and your thoughts on how we can make this industry a better place so thank you for joining us on the women of fintech podcast series thanks so much nadia